Welcome to the No Rain, No Rainbows podcast. This is a show about pushing through obstacles and hard times in order to live a happy and fulfilled life. I'm your host, Ted Fayton, and it's a pleasure to have you joining us. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Let's grow. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the No Rain, No Rainbows podcast. It's a pleasure to have you. And as always, a big shout out to my executive producer, Andre Suttles, for the assistance with this podcast. Can't happen without him. Today, we are joined by my man, Mr. Joe Buckner, coming out of Fort Collins, Colorado. Mr. Buckner, thank you for taking the time today. Yeah, thank you for having me. I love the name of your podcast, man. It's so dope. Like, it's, it's just very, like, it's cool vibe. It's a cool vibe. Yeah, yeah. No rain, no rainbows. I love that. I appreciate it. It's been my life motto. And I always say, you know, life is hard, but it's worth the squeeze. And really, we try and help people get through their adversities because we all have storms. We all go through tough times. But it's the rain that helps the flowers grow. So Amen. We, like, we like unpacking that story. And I'd love our listeners to get a quick introduction into who you are and what it is yeah. you do. I mean, you do a lot of things and I'd love for them to get introduced to that. Yeah, no, um, I am, uh, in terms of what I do, I'm a father first. Um, I, I lead and set the example for my children. I'm a son. I'm a friend. Um, from my vocation, I'm an entrepreneur. I own a gym called Beautifully Savage Boxing Studio in Fort Collins, Colorado. It's four years old today. Um, I actually just realized that today's the four-year anniversary of my gym opening. That's Happy cool. Happy birthday. <laughs> um, thanks. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and I'm a speaker. Uh, I brand ambassador for some pretty cool brands. I was with Lululemon for a long time, and then just now partnered with Roan, which I'm really, really excited about that, and eBoost and some other cool brands, and just kind of settling into the role of um, person people want to hear from. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And you know? I think a lot of us have to kind of go through a personal story before we know what to say, right? Yeah. A lot of times uh, we don't articulate what we've gone through until we've been able to reflect on it. And I was lucky enough to be introduced to your story. We, I just got introduced to the Roan brand and that's where I came across your brand as well. And I'm thankful for that. I'm excited for the Roan clothes that I've just started purchasing. And I think that's going to be a little bit of a problem. My fiance is going to have to kind of curb quickly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's a great, great brand. I love that their mission for the man in pursuit of progress. Um, that's something that really, really resonated with me when Jameson Bolt got me connected. And so, yeah, as soon as I heard about it, I was like, I'm in. Let's yeah. do it. And speaking Whatever of it takes. in pursuit of progress, the first thing I saw when I saw your your Instagram account at Mr. Joe Buckner was my ancestor's wildest <laughs> dream. I loved that. Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit more yeah. about that. Yeah, I think that we're all our ancestors' wildest dream. We just don't realize it, right? Um, I could keep it in the narrative of, you know, our black kings and queens. I could keep it in the narrative of, you know, Thomas Jefferson, I believe. Thomas Edison had a, a quote that said, surely if our ancestors could see us now, they would think us gods because they were creating things like electricity and so on and so forth. So I'm like, well, what if he saw this, mm -hmm. an iPhone? that's literally a computer, but it's also a television. It's a radio. It's, it's everything, right? It's a camera. It's a video camera. They would think it was magic, right? People don't realize that you are someone's wildest dream. Someone met someone and fell in love. And then you're the product of that. And they didn't see you when you first came out and go, man, I hope that person has the most regular average life ever. 
they hoped and wished great things for us, right? Take a step further, there's people that literally died so that you and I could sit in the same space as other people. There's people that were beaten and hung from trees just so that you and I could walk down the street unabated. I owe it to them, to anyone that came before me to be as great as possible every single day of my life because we are, I am their wildest dream, a black man in America who's able to be in alignment with these big brands. Uh, also a man who went to prison for selling drugs and still can be in alignment with some of the biggest fitness brands on the planet. I'm somebody's wildest dream, so I owe it to them to live my greatest life. And, and I'll leave you with this. You hear people talk about their haters a lot. Oh, my haters, I'm gonna prove my haters wrong. I'm like, I'm good. I have a lot of people to prove right. A lot of people believed in me, had continued to believe in me. And a lot of them sacrificed a lot. Think about Booker T. Washington walking 500 miles to try to get into college and them telling him no. And him cleaning the library, spick and span, them telling him no. And him never giving up, right? Gosh, how, how could we ever be average knowing that someone went through that just for us to have a chance to be able to read and write without getting killed for it? Yeah. Yeah. So that's what that means. It's a sense of responsibility. And I resonate with that so well, because I'm lucky enough where both my parents are are immigrants. So I'm first generation American. And knowing my my dad's story, he was born in a very poor city in northern Haiti. And he got a law degree and an accounting degree from Haiti. But when he came to America, it didn't mean anything. He had to start over. My mom, she studied in Belgium nursing and came to America and worked as a nurse, a psychiatric nurse for 30 plus years. And that's an unforgiving job. And I worked, Mm -hmm. I watched them work hard to put me in the same position as others to just give me a shot. And that sense of responsibility is when friends look at me and they say, Ted, why do you work so hard? You know, you could relax, right? You don't know the, you don't know the torch I'm carrying. Yeah. (laughs) My parents have carried this a long way and I'm not going to let it end here. I'm not going to yeah. let it end with me. So I, yeah. I love that. Talking about our ancestors' wildest dreams. If we could all take that right responsibility on our hearts, just how far we can yeah. go. You mentioned you're running with the law and, and going to prison. I guess talk a little bit about that. Because when we talk no rain, no rainbows, I know I am far from perfect. And we've all made mistakes in life. And I think the true character of a man is how he rebuilds and comes up after those mistakes and reinvents himself. I'd love to hear kind of the story on how everything began. Yeah. I mean, I'll give you the cliff notes because I don't think we have three hours of time. But, um, you know, I was a, I'm, for all intents and purposes, despite growing up really poor, I was an all-American kid. You know, I was an all-state athlete. My girlfriend was the prom queen. Like I was like one of those dudes, you know, went to college, did the football thing. But you can't aspire to something you've never seen up close. So for a lot of us, the American dream, the house, the cars, the the dream, it's not within arm's reach unless we go get it somehow, some way. So me the only people I knew that had real money is what I thought was real money that I knew up close were drug dealers, you know? And yeah. now in hindsight, they didn't have any money. I just thought they had money cause they had more than us. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't own, you know, they did, they didn't own buildings or, you know, apartment complexes or, you know what I mean? They had a, a truck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, 
so yeah, man, I was just out of college and uh, selling furniture, working every weekend, every holiday for my $5,000 a month, which, you know, the year 2001 was okay. Um, but it wasn't enough, right? And there's that, like, I, I am incredibly ambitious almost to a fault sometimes because, like, nothing's ever enough. Right. Like I tell people all the time, like I'm grateful, but I'm never satisfied. Like there's more. And so, you know, I just saw, I knew people that had it easier. They played Xbox all day. They drove a Lexus, a Cadillac. And so eventually I just went after that and I try to be great at everything I do. Unfortunately, being great at that will get you sent to prison. So um, I did that for three years. And uh, then, you know, January 3rd, 2003. The, the walls came crashing in and then I fought that case for two years in court and I didn't get sentenced until September, 2015. Wow. I got sentenced to five years in the department of corrections. Um, and that, when you talk about no rain, no rainbows, that may have been the thing that saved my life because I was headed nowhere real fast. Um, and I was also starting to lean into the story. I was telling myself, we're always telling ourselves a story. I was starting to lean into the, well, you you do bad things, so you're a bad guy. Well, would a bad guy let someone steal $500 from him or would a bad guy go do something to that person? A bad guy would go get their money back, right? Yeah. I was going down a path where I was going to end up there a lot longer than five years. And, you know, whether you want to call it God, the universe, the law of attraction, quantum physics, it doesn't matter. But I'm grateful that it intervened and sent me away. And also because I was a nonviolent offender, because I was headed to becoming a violent offender. I got to go to a boot camp program for first time nonviolent offenders. And that is based on Army's boot camp. It's run by some active, some ex Army Marines and one Air Force dude. And, uh, it was the hardest thing I'd done in my life to that point because everything else I'd gotten by on talent alone. Run yeah. fast, jump high, be strong, I'm good. And now it's like, no, your toiletries need to be two fingers apart, always. Your bed has to be perfect, inspection ready at all times. Your clothes have to be folded Bible size or we're going to tear this whole place up, right? These were lessons I never learned and I'm not using this as an excuse. I just never had a father at home. You know, one of my best friends used to tell me, like, you're spoiled because your mom, when you do bad, she'll just like hug you, kiss you, you know, like she might give you spanking, but she's a, he's like, you never had a dad to just whoop you. He's like, so when things get hard, you just quit. You just don't care. You just move on. And so that was the first time in my life I had men holding me accountable and it changed everything for me. Like I've never been the same since then. So it sucked that I had to go there to learn but I wouldn't even be someone you'd want to have a conversation with today. Had I not gone. Yeah. And that's amazing because I just wrote something down that based on what you said that I've never even kind of thought about, but when you think of the drought, you know, what if the storm saves your, saves your life? You know, mm -hmm. a lot of us are thirsty and a lot of us are in this drought and we start going through this storm thinking it's the end of the world, thinking this is the sentence that, that ends us, but it just yeah. might be the rain we've been needing so much for that first sprout, for that first change to come about. I love what yeah. you mentioned about the boot camp because one thing I've done was uh, started a men's group here called Modern Man, and I noticed the importance of mentorship amongst men, men mm -hmm. teaching other men. And I think one of our problems in this world is we have boys raising boys, 
And yes. that becomes a problem. But when you talk about the practices of um, toiletries, two fingers apart, and you talk about having the bed made, those are practices I was lucky enough to be taught growing up, but I notice other people don't have that blessing. How yeah. important was it to have some of those lessons applied to you at that time and how have they translated into the real world? What a great question. I mean, I was fortunate not only for that, but an, an older gentleman when I first came into prison, because I had to wait in a maximum security facility until I went to boot camp. So like, it was a real deal. Wow. And there's an old timer in there. And he, he pulled me aside one day and he says, um, and this goes to mentorship. And I don't think he meant to mentor me. I think he just saw something in me. He said, uh, he says, let me talk to you for a second. I said, okay. He said, you're different. At that time, I'm feeling low. I'd just been tense. I was like, I'm not different than anybody. I'm here with everybody else. He's like, no, nah, I see you. You read all the time. You're constantly exercising. You just kind of keep to yourself. He said, I've been in and out of this place for over 20 years. I know who belongs here and who doesn't, and you don't. And I was like, well, I'm here, dude. Like, So whether I want to be or not, I'm here. He says, well, let me tell you something. This can go two ways you can get here and be around other people that did what you did and think you're going to be better at it and go out and try it again. And I'll see you back here in a few years, or you can choose to never come back here. I still not getting it. He said, what are you wearing? I said, green jumpsuit, black boots, like everybody else. He says, what's on your shirt? One, two, eight, three, one, nine. He says, okay, you have no sense of individuality. They're taking that from you. You have no name anymore. All you have is a number. He said, they've taken everything from you except your ability to choose. And every day you get to choose whether you're going to be the kind of person that comes back here again or not. Wow. And that was it. We didn't have another conversation the whole time I was there. But it was that day that changed my life. And so then when I went to boot camp, I remembered every day I get to choose. So one of the ways that they punish you in boot camp is fitness high knees, burpees, running, and dudes would be in there because you got street dudes, right? They're, oh, I hate this. And like, it had a 60% failure rate. 42 of us started 14 finished. Wow. But me, I would be like, oh, this is just working out. This is fine. I'll work out as long as you need me to if it means I get to go home sooner, right? <laughs> so, um, but then those little details, like I'd never paid attention to that in my life. I was just kind of running through life. So phase one of that boot camp they really try to break you down because obviously if you're in prison, something's broken. So they try to break down who you are and the way they do that is if there's 40 of us standing online at attention and the dude at the end scratches his nose, everybody pays for that. So after a while you start to learn, Oh, the things that I do have a ripple effect. They affect people besides just myself. Got it. Never thought about that before. Taking pride in something as simple as the military fold on your bed, how you fold your clothes, like that little bit of pride in those details are the things that are going to change your life because everybody's focused on hitting a home run, right? Singles will get you there. Doubles will get you there. Small hinges swing big doors, but we always think we have to do these massive things to be great, right? Yeah. So, and then we went to the second phase and second phase is about building you back up. But like, if you wanted the good pillow and not the rubber pillow, well, we had to go earn those. We had to earn it by running six miles. And if you finish the six miles in Chuck Taylor's at 10,000 feet altitude, you got the pillow. If you didn't, you kept the old pillow. 
If you wanted the good toothpaste and not the prison toothpaste, you had to earn it by working, by doing things, right? And so slowly but surely, I started to understand the value of like working for something and getting something in return because when you're talented at things, especially from a young age, growing up, especially athletics in our country, you're constantly being patted on the head and told how pretty you are. But a lot of times you're not like corrected, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And so it taught me that the value of hard work. So when I came out, it was easy for me to go get two $7 an hour jobs and walk 14 miles a day because I had no pride in what I was doing. I just wanted to be great at it before I was the kind of guy that if I didn't have a car and I need to go to work, I just wouldn't go to work. I'd be, Hey, I'm not coming down, have a ride. I used to walk 14 miles every single day between these two crap jobs. But every day when I'm walking, I'm like, every step that I take is another step away from prison. And I'm okay with that, which is why if I don't go to that boot camp, I never realized that I yeah. never learned that, you know? Yeah. And that's the humility that, that we have within us that helps us accelerate and get to that level. I like yeah. to watch people sometimes and, and, and I, I see some business owners and how they act in their offices and I'll see someone walking by and I'll see a business owner in a suit stoop down and pick up a piece of paper off the floor. Yep. I can sit down for an hour with a business owner and they can give me all the tips in the world, but seeing them do that one thing probably is the most impactful thing for me that day. And I remember seeing it because it's taking that pride in the environment. It's taking that pride in what you're doing. And it's also not being above the job of picking that piece of paper off the floor and being able to take a job that we might quote unquote think is underneath us or beneath us. And I think that's what a lot of listeners need to kind of let register with themselves. What I'm doing today, what I'm doing in my job that's paying me now and it's paying me well enough to have a life and a family. I started doing for free. Amen. Started doing for free. I worked a job that I hated. I started taking a little flip camera and I would record storms in my city. I would forecast for events in the area. And then finally somebody in Saginaw, Michigan saw my work and gave me a shot at a TV station. That's cool. And I turned that into a career. But if I was too prideful to do it for free, if we are too prideful to do what we love for free or do it for what we think is le- lower than what we're worth, yeah, you never get that shot. So I love the, yeah. the humility factor in yeah. terms of helping us get to that next level. Yeah. And it's also the combination of like being humble, but understanding like you're special, right? Because mm-hmm. even before I got out, I was telling people like, I don't care if I work at Taco Bell. I'll be running that place in three months. So figure it out. So the bagel shop, I got a job at, it took me 60 days before they're like, you know, the dude that's your manager probably is not capable of managing you. Do you want to be the general manager of this place? I was like, of course. I was yeah. just waiting for you to ask, <laughs> you know? <Yeah. laughs> so, I mean, the the story that you just shared is powerful because so many people are not willing to start at the bottom, right? Especially like, I talk to people that just got out of prison a lot. Like young people will call me and say, will you talk to my friend? And it's amazing how many of these people think they should be the CEO of something fresh out, right? Nobody's going to give you that opportunity. You need to start at the bottom and prove yourself. I was a four-time felon coming out. I got four felonies the same day, right? So I knew for a fact nobody was going to give me the job I wanted. So I had to take the job I needed. And when I didn't have the job, my job was finding a job 
right? So yeah. every single day I was out in my suit, pounding the pavement, handing applications, so on and so forth, because I knew if I just turned it in, they're going to turn me down because I had that felony box checked. I knew nobody was going to give me a shot. But if you sit down with me, and if I wear a suit to uh, interview to make calzones in the middle of the night, mm-hmm. you might take me serious, right? Yeah. So that was my deal was I just need to get in somewhere. So you said humility, but also understanding like I know how I'm going to show up. I'm going to be the first one, the last one every day. I'm going to cover every open shift. If you need someone to take your shift, I'm going to take it. It's not going to take long. And it did at the bagel shop where people would come in and go, hey, do you like working here or would you be open to another opportunity? Mm-hmm. And I'd say, well, I love working here because they gave me a chance. But what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Right. And so then I progressed in my career from there. And I just I'm, I'm similar like you. Like I just took low level opportunities because I knew how I would show up and work and nobody was going to outwork me. And it wouldn't take long before I went from the bagel shop to Aaron's. I took a pay cut to go be a $9 an hour coffee maker and floor vacuumer. Three weeks later, I was offered the sales manager job. Five months later, I was offered the general manager job. Year later, I was on the regional staff of a 22 store franchise, right? Yeah. Because I knew nobody had gone through what I'd gone through. Like, I'm hungry. Mm -hmm. I'm that hungry. Like, I'm a lion. Like, every single day, I'm hunting. So when I show up, you better be ready because I'm coming. Like, I love you. Thank you for the opportunity. I'm coming for your job, though. So fair enough. <laughs> you better be great at it because I'm coming and I'm not like angling for it. I'm just going to outshine you every day by working hard. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, that's what it's humility, but it's also like just knowing who the hell I am. And it doesn't matter what opportunity I get. I'll make the most of it. I'll be the best floor sweeper on the planet, you know? Yeah. And I love that because the humility gets you in the arena, but the real ones aren't afraid of the competition. Yeah. Because that's what and elevates you know, us. And Martin Luther King said that. He's like, if, if a man's to be a street sweeper, he should sweep streets the way Michelangelo painted, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, the yeah, way man. you work matters, right? Yeah. The work that you do is one thing, but the way you do that work matters. And I just needed people to see me, whether it was at a bagel shop or a calzone shop. I just needed people to get their eyes on me so then the next opportunity would come. Mm-hmm. And even at my job at Aaron's, when I was on the regional staff, they'd say all the time, like, we know we're not going to have you for long because someone's going to see you. And, and sure enough, I got a better opportunity and a better one and so on and so forth. And so, yeah, it's, it's having the humility to understand that like me as a four-time felon, nobody owed me anything, but anybody that's willing to give me an opportunity, I was going to run with it. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing is I could flip it for the listeners and the watchers really quick and say, okay, you want to be that CEO. What employee do you want? Do you want the employee who's going to show up, be consistent and work hard at their job? Or do you want the person who's just going to come here for a paycheck and leave when that clock is done? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. The, insi- the consistent employee is the one that you want. So be that person. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I want to yeah. talk about what drives you, man, because mm. I can, I could hear that passion in your voice. <laughs> you mentioned, you know, your father, first of all, and mm-hmm. I know that could be a big, big driving force, but you know what, what's that fire burning on? <sighs> The fire, the thing that really, really drives me is legacy because, and and I just say this, it's going to sound harsh when I say it, but it's true, man. Like even going to school and playing football and doing all these things, like I did all that stuff on talent alone. I was just skating by. And the legacy that I was leaving was like a a a half-assed person, you know, like a person that gives minimal effort that's just trying to get as much as they can without doing the work. And that was me forever, right? Um... So I need to flip that because a lot of people believed in me, you know, 
even something as simple as someone giving you a $7 an hour job, that's someone that believed in you. And anyone that believed in you, you owe them a lot, mm-hmm. you know? So I think about legacy. I think about I'm the man my son looks to as an example of a man first. My daughter said one of the best compliments to me. She said, I feel so bad for my husband, dad, because you set the bar so high for me on how I should be treated that this poor guy, like he's struggling. And I'm like, well, he'll get there, you know? Yeah. And it's those little habits. So legacy is everything to me. And I also, I, I say this all the time, like I'm, I'm raising business builders, you know, like my son is going to be a gazillionaire. You know, he's building apps. He's working in marketing. He's 20. My little girl's a business owner. She's 24, you know, her own daycare. So like people talk a lot about race and we're not going to go here, but I'm going to say this. The one thing that black people don't have is an economic base. Like we never had that, you know? So that's the thing that is going to create, I don't want equality. I want equity. You can keep your equality. I don't need you to see me the same as you, but we're not the same. You know what I'm saying? But I want equity. And I was just talking to my son the other day. I said, stuff like this doesn't happen to Jay-Z or Bob Johnson or Oprah. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason, you know, like, so my thing that drives me is legacy, but also the thing that you said earlier, like, I just have a lot of people to prove right. Yeah. People that have loved me and supported me, even when I was down, when I got sent to prison, they wrote me letters. You know, when I came out, they welcomed me back with open arms. Um, Anybody that's ever believed in me, I owe them a debt of gratitude. So I have to go hard every single day because what I would hate for someone to see also is like, okay, we did all this stuff to help this dude, Joe. And now like, he's not doing shit. Yeah. You know, well, sorry. I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to curse, but, um, (laughs) um, but do you know what I mean? Like, could you imagine like everything you said you saw your parents go through and you just like playing Xbox all day? Yeah. They didn't come in for that waiting for your mixtape to, to blow up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> They'd be on so, me. They would be on me. <laughs> yeah. So that's the thing that drives me, man. And also like, you know, this is maybe not the greatest, but there are stereotypes out there about people that look like us. And I'm a stereotype breaker, whether it's being a black man, whether it's being, you know, a felon, a convicted felon, like I'm a, I'm a generational curse breaker. So, you know, I know that I walk through this world and my goal is for someone to be like, I never would have guessed that you went to prison ever. Yeah. I never would have guessed it. Yeah. And that's the narrative now, you know? So absolutely. That's and what drives me. Man. Legacy is everything. It's, uh, I, I resonate with that so much because uh, for me, and I, I put it on everything, you know, Ted Faton, I have so much pride in my last name. And, yes. and I see it when my dad, you know, gives that to me. I even told my fiance, uh, I'm, told her in a message, like, I want to give you everything I have, including my last name. And to me, that's Amen. not something I take lightly. And I text yeah. my family, said, hey, when are we starting the fate and fund? You know, for all of us, the cousins, everybody, I want a fund for our whole family. I want us to own property. I want us to own land. I want, I want that legacy just as much because our parents, they came over here to start something. It's on us to continue, not finish, mm-hmm. continue because the race yep. is not over. And I don't know. I'm not going to see the finish line in my lifetime. I've mm-hmm. accepted that. I have the accepted marathon. that. Yes, yes, sir. So the marathon continues. The legacy is, and I want the listeners to take this home is yeah. this is bigger than us. Mm-hmm. This is bigger than me. My last name is going to outlive me. I want to create things, companies that are yep. going to outlive Amen. me. And that is what Amen. I am here for. 
You mentioned yeah, we hustle for our last name, not our first, right? Exactly. <laughs> for our last name. And yeah. they're not gonna remember Ted, but I want them to remember Phaeton, whoever that I love that you said be. that. Like like I, I that is so honorable, man. Like I always introduce myself as Joe Buckner and people are like, Why do you do that? Is it because my name matters? Yeah. You might yeah. know a lot of Joes. You know one Joe Buckner. My name matters. My uncle's like a prison philosopher, been in and out of prison his whole life. He used to tell me a man without a name is like a fire without flame. Oof. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and go ahead and burn somebody with it, right? Let's go. Let's yeah. burn bright. Yeah. yeah. I want to talk about that fighter mentality, right? Let's go. I could I could see that. And of course, you know, beautifully savage gym, uh, boxing yeah. studio. I know that and for me and my friends, we talk about um that killer instinct, that fighter within mm-hmm. us, and aiming that in the right direction. Two-part question here. Do you think we all have that fighter mentality in us? And if we do, how do we unlock that? I do. I think everyone, given the choice to die or fight, will choose to fight, right? Yeah. Um, it's interesting that you asked this question. I just, so on July 14th, shameless, not shameless plug, but I'm actually launching a six-week program called Fighting Solves Everything. And I took the 10 traits of a championship fighter and how people can apply them to their life. So it's, you know, six weeks to a championship life. Um, Me and my business coach just finished it yesterday. That's so funny that you bring this up. (laughs) Um, I believe that everyone is a fighter in their own way. Everyone has fight in them. You can take the sweetest mom playing with her kids at the park. And if you threaten one of those kids, you'll see a different human, you know? You can take the most docile man on the earth, sweetest, kindest dude, back him into a corner and threaten his life and he'll fight. You know, I'm not saying that everyone's good at fighting, but I'm saying everyone has fight in them and people fight differently, right? Some people fight with signs. Some people fight like this. Some people fight economically. So everyone has a fight, but moreover, everyone is going to have to fight at some point. Life is going to take a shot at every single person. That's the only thing that's guaranteed is at some point, this life is going to punch you so hard in the face. That's when you're going to have to decide, like, am I going to stay on the ground or am I going to get up and fight? I hope everyone gets up and fights. So, yes, I believe everyone has it in them. Um, I use my platform to help people find that. Yeah. And then um, did you say, how can we apply it? Yeah, how can we apply that fighter mentality? Yeah. A story. Um, a man goes to heaven. Now, this is not me saying I believe in anything. It's a story. Man goes to heaven and he's there and he's ready. You know, he's lived a great life and he pulls up to the pearly gates and, you know, he gets to meet God. He's been waiting forever for this. He gets to meet God. And he says, you know, I'm here. You know, I've lived a great life. I did all the right things. And God looks at him and says, where are your scars? And he's like, I did all the right things. I went to church. I tithed. I had the good job, the wife. And God said, but where are your scars? Yeah. And he's baffled at this point. He's like, I don't know. God says, in your whole time down there, was there nothing worth fighting for? Wow. And so how can we find it or tap into it is you have to find something that you'd fight for, right? Whether it's your fiance, your child, your business, your health, your wellness. I hope the first thing people find to fight for is themselves. 
it's amazing how many people are in these streets right now protesting, but they won't go to their boss and ask for a raise. You know what I mean? They won't go to their partner at home and say, you are not treating me the way you promised to treat me when we got together and I'm unhappy. They won't do that, but they'll risk getting sprayed with pepper mace and rubber balls for a man they never met, but they won't fight for themselves. So that's where I think it all starts is people need to look in the mirror and go, am I living the life that I want to live? Am I living the life that I was put on this earth to live? And if not, I need to fight for that. It's time for me to be a little bit selfish and fight for that. And I'm not saying selfish, like forget everybody, but like, what do you actually want? Or are you just waiting to die? Mm -hmm. So that's how people tap into it. Find something that's worth fighting for and taking some bumps and some bruises. And hopefully that something is the person looking in the mirror and then you can extend it out to other things. Yeah. And I think by finding that, that fighter mentality within us and really kind of honing in and being a little selfish to build ourselves up is when we yeah. can help others. I think yeah, a man. lot of, and when you talked about where are your scars, I automatically thought of something that, and I do talk about mental health a lot and how us mm-hmm. as men, we're not good at showing our, our scars, right? But right. you played football. I played football in high school. And, and Friday before game day, we wore our jerseys, man. Yeah. And if you had the scuffs on the shoulders, you, you were the bad man on campus. Yeah. And those scuffs shows that you, you, you hit somebody. You were at battle. Yep. And I talk Absolutely. about when we have armor, clean armor's never seen battle. Nope. It's, it's the vulnerabilities that showed that we fought. Yeah. It's the vulnerabilities that showed we were strong. We were weak, mm-hmm. but we were also strong. So I love yeah. that. I can go on and on, man. And we're coming at the yeah. end. I know a yeah, lot, our good. listeners are sitting on the on the edge of their seat and they want to yeah, hear more. Good. How can they connect with you, uh, follow more of your stuff, uh, connect with Beautifully Savage Boxing Studio and everything you're working on? Yeah. I mean, obviously my Instagram is where I'm most active at Mr. Joe Buckner. My website, I've started to share more things there, like my course and other things. Um, that's MrJoeBuckner.com. Um, I've started to share more on Facebook and Twitter, just trying to get into those. Um, I'm sharing more inspirational and like fitness stuff on TikTok. Um, just really trying to learn that platform and figuring out the best way that I can add value there. So trying to be more well-rounded because I was like all Instagram for a long time. (laughs) So trying to make sure that people can consume the content in whatever way they'd like to. But yeah, yeah, those are my spots, man. Those are, that's where you can find me. Awesome. And um, I'm already following you. I'm going to put the links in the show notes so our followers can follow you as well. Perfect. And uh, Mr. Buckner, I'm excited for your growth. I'm excited for our growth and uh, the impacts that we have on this planet. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate you. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. And to the listeners and the watchers, thank you for making it to the end. I just got to wrap up some of the stuff that Mr. Buckner said on this episode because it's so great. You're going to want to go back, play it again. But (laughs) The first thing that hit me was sometimes the storms can hit, can save your life. We are, we could be in a drought and not know it. That is really important. And you can't aspire to something that you haven't seen up close. That is so true. A lot of us, for me growing up, I went to Catholic school. I was surrounded okay. by a certain image of success and it didn't look like me. Luckily, my parents were able to mold me into seeing up close what was possible for me to aspire to something different than what I saw on the corner. So I think it's important for all of us to connect with that. Even further, I think there's a fighter in all of us. I want to talk about, I think a lot of us, we're afraid to put ourselves in the position of having to fight because that's when we find out who we really are. So we'll avoid that. Lean into that. 
unlock that fighter within and hopefully you can fight for yourself. I hope a lot of folks can uh, find out when does uh, the Fighting Solves Everything program drop? July 14th. July 14th. July 14th is when it starts. So we're going to start opening that up the first week of July for people to sign up. And so, yeah, it's going to be really, really cool, man. I've worked hard on this for like a year and I've taken all of the traits that make a championship fighter and I show people how to apply them for their life. It's going to be pretty awesome. So I'm really excited about it. Yeah. Well, I can't wait for that to drop. And I think our our listeners are going to enjoy that as well. Mr. Buckner, thanks again. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And to the listeners, like we always say at the end of the episode, everybody wants the sunshine, but they don't want the rain, but you can't get the pleasure without a little pain. Let's grow. Love it. The No Rain, No Rainbows podcast is recorded at Camaraderie, a collective workspace in Greenville, South Carolina, right off the Swamp Rabbit Trail. If you're looking for a place to grow your business, network with other professionals, and establish your own workspace, Camaraderie is the place to do so. Get access to high-speed internet, private showers and towel service, free methodical coffee, and free beer on tap. For more details, be sure to head over to camaraderiecowork.com or hit the link in the show notes and find out how you can lock in your space with rates starting at just $99 a month. Be sure to tell them that Ted sent you and try it out for free. You never know, you just might find a new home at Camaraderie. Let's grow.